Hello and welcome to Seeing Red. Welcome to episode 11. Um, this is going to be a bit different for us because it's going to be the first part of a two-part episode. In this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about one of the biggest mysteries in UK criminal history, the 2009 disappearance of Claudia Lawrence. As we've seen with previous cases such as the murder of Jill Dando, various theories abound as to what could have happened to Claudia. However, what makes this case so interesting is that recent evidence has come to light implicating a well-known serial killer. So when Joan and Peter Lawrence spoke to their daughter on the phone on the evening of Wednesday the 18th of March in 2009, they could never have dreamt that this would be the last conversation that they would have with her. Just hours later, their daughter seemingly vanished into thin air. In an age of CCTV cameras and with technology tracking our every move, their daughter, Claudia, disappeared, never to be heard of again. Claudia Lawrence was born on the 27th of February in 1974 and raised in the North Yorkshire town of Moulton. Moulton is like pretty small town with a population of about 13,000 and it was actually voted one of the best places to live in Britain by the Sunday Times in both 2017 and 2018. It has a farmer's market once a month and like many of Yorkshire's towns and villages, it has a friendly community vibe that I don't think you get as much down in the south. Is that fair? No, because we've got, we get farmer's markets. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not on about farmer's markets, <laughs> I'm, on about, I'm on about friendly sort of towns and you do of course get them down south, but I think that kind of thing is really normal up north. I do agree with you to a point, but I think that we... I think we're pretty friendly down here. We'll have to see what our listeners think. Yeah, but I think the su- I think Southerners are friendly enough. Okay, so Claudia's upbringing has been described by those who knew her as very ordinary. I mean, we hear that a million times, don't we, in these cases. Her father, Peter, was a solicitor and her mother, Joan, was active in the local community and would one day go on to become the mayor of Moulton. Claudia had one sister, Ali, who was five years older, and the two girls were close with a shared passion for horse riding. Both sisters were educated privately and Claudia passed her exams with ease. However, it was her natural talent in the kitchen that propelled her to catering college and then onto a career as a chef. At the time of her disappearance at the time of her, <laughs> at the time of her disappearance, Claudia was working three miles from her house in Heworth Heworth? Yeah, Heworth? I'd say Heworth. Heworth, it's Heworth. Or Heworth. It's Heworth, definitely. <laughs> Heworth. Which was about half an hour's drive from Moulton, where she grew up. And she was working in a restaurant called The Lounge, which was a student restaurant at the University of York's Goodrick College. Claudia liked the more regular hours this job afforded her, having previously worked unsociable hours in various bars and restaurants. And Claudia did like to be sociable. Described as popular, caring, kind and with a good sense of humour, Claudia had loads of friends and although at 35 she was yet to settle down into a long-term relationship, she was happy with her life. And I kind of thought at this point, it's probably a bit cruel of me to say that because who says she should have to be in a committed long-term relationship at 35? And a lot of people are happy in their own company and with their friends as well. You don't, yeah, I I didn't think it when you first said it, but now I do think you were incredibly cruel. (laughs) Harsh, okay. Um, So Claudia was really attractive actually and she was never short of interest from the opposite sex. She had a good job, a good social life and she owned her own house which was a Victorian terraced property on Heworth Road which was quite a busy road and a location that we will come back to in a bit more detail later. But what I'm saying really is that she had done well for herself. 
She had savings and no debt, save for one credit card that she used to pay off in full each month. And life was pretty sweet for Claudia. However, there was another side to her life, which we will come on to later. On the 18th of March in 2009, Claudia left home at around 5.15 in the morning to walk the three miles to work. She didn't normally walk to work and to be fair this would have been quite a trek in the very early morning on a miserable winter's day but she had no choice that day because her car was being repaired at a nearby garage. Arriving at work at 5.57 that morning and we know this because it was recorded on CCTV Colleagues who were later questioned as part of the investigation into her disappearance would go on to say that she was a normal self that day, fun but hard working. And when the working day was over at approximately 2pm, Claudia changed out of her chef whites and into a white t-shirt, a pair of blue jeans and some comfortable trainers before saying goodbye to her colleagues at 2.31pm to walk the three miles back to her home. And again, we know that time to be accurate because it was recorded on the college's CCTV. Luckily for Claudia, not long after setting off, a female colleague stopped and offered her a lift, which she gladly accepted. Claudia arrived home approximately 10 minutes later, but it wasn't long before she was off out again, this time to post a letter at the nearby post box, which took her past the Nags Head pub, and this was Claudia's local just four doors from her house. I would love to have a pub four doors from my house, by the way. So Claudia was a regular at the Nags Head where she would indulge in pints of cider after a hard day in the kitchen um, and at weekends as well. And her social life very much revolved around this pub. And as she walked past the Nags Head, she stopped briefly to talk to a woman with a pram. And this was at approximately 3.05pm. And this is the last known sighting of Claudia Lawrence. The recipient of that letter that she posted never came forward. So there is a question mark over who she was sending that to. I don't feel like that's that important because she's sending it as a letter it's not like she was making a phone call but it is interesting I'd like to know a little bit more I do agree because I think to be fair that could have just been paying a bill or something I would say most things that we post are just to companies so there was an appeal and nobody came forward and said they were the recipient of that letter so I I think you're right I don't think it was significant in terms of the investigation Mm. Claudia did make it back home, however, after posting that letter, as later that evening at 8.10pm, she had a conversation on the telephone with her father, Peter. Claudia and her father were close. Her parents had divorced in 1999 when she was 26, but he had always maintained a close relationship with his youngest daughter. During interviews to publicise his daughter's disappearance, he has been quoted as saying, we tended to meet at once during the week to have a drink and go for a meal. And we spoke to each other on the phone every week as well. And that evening was no different. Claudia and her father talked as normal and made arrangements to meet up later that week on the Friday evening at, you guessed it, the Nags Head. (laughs) Following this call, Claudia spoke with her mother, Joan, and the two made arrangements to meet up on Mother's Day, which was on the Sunday of that week. They talked about what was on the television and Claudia's mother would later remark that they were watching the same programme as she could hear it in the background as she spoke to her daughter. Oh, that's quite sweet. I do that sometimes as well. Mm. Like, what are you watching? Yeah, and it's the actual same thing. Um, Is the Nags Head the same pub as Only Fools and Horses? Well, that is, it's called the same name, but it's not the same pub. Well, no, I didn't mean the actual fake <laughs> pub. <laughs> Um, So she also said that Claudia had mentioned that she would be going to bed around nine o'clock that evening. And that was fairly normal for her daughter, because if you think about it, she had to be up really early Mm. for work. So nothing 
out of the ordinary there. At 8.23pm, Claudia sent a text message to a friend, and this is the last time she was known to be alive. She received a text message from another friend at 9.12 that evening, a man called Steve Sammons. However, she never responded, and it's not even known whether she read that message. But, if you think about it, if she'd gone to bed at 9 o'clock that evening, that would probably explain why she hadn't gone back to him. So Steve Sammons, the guy who sent that text, was a labourer who Claudia had met five years earlier in a bar whilst holidaying in Cyprus. Steve lived over there and Claudia had holidayed on the island on a number of occasions over the years and she was planning on visiting the island again and any time she would go out there she would meet up with Steve. So perhaps that text message was making arrangements to um, for her to come over. That is a good friend to have as well. I want a friend in Cyprus that I can have holidays of. A couple of hours earlier, as Claudia settled down in front of the television on that dark, cold evening, a man wearing dark-coloured clothing and carrying a rucksack was loitering near to the back gate of Claudia's house. We know this because CCTV was subsequently reviewed and it showed him walking towards her back garden, disappearing out of the camera's range for approximately one minute before walking back the way he came towards the main road. Now, the really suspicious thing here is that as he walks towards the main road, which is basically just around the corner from Claudia's front door, another man is seen on the same camera walking along the main road. The man in the dark coloured clothing, so this suspicious guy, sees this guy and suddenly stops in his tracks so as not to be seen. And when the other man finishes walking past, he then starts walking again. So was this man watching Claudia? It would have been pitch black outside, And if Claudia had her lights on inside and the curtains open, he would have been able to see right into her house. That is just fucking chilling. Like, I hate the whole thing of someone, like, sneaking around outside and looking in and being able to see into your house. That's horrible. I think it's terrible because, you know, she's just settling down in front of the television. It's dark outside. She's on the phone to her mum and dad. And the whole time that's kind of happening, this random guy is acting really suspiciously on the night before she disappeared creepy at 507 a.m the next day it gets worse really because this man is seen again doing exactly the same thing he walks into the alley out of the camera range for one minute and then back into range exactly as he had done the night before claudia would have been getting ready for work at this time and again it would have been very dark outside and perhaps she would have had the lights on inside so again he would have had a really clear view of what she was doing The next day, shit got serious because Claudia failed to turn up for work. But it wasn't until that evening when she was due to meet her best friend Susie Cooper at, you guessed it, the nag's head, that concerns were raised about her whereabouts. This always annoys me because I know if I didn't turn up for work, my boss would be straight onto my next of kin. Um, This never happens. In Mm. true crime cases, it never happens. Oh my god, if I'm like five, well, if I'm like 30 seconds late, I get messages like, "Eh." look at you late honestly i couldn't like miss a whole day of work without somebody talking to my other half i just don't understand it i'd be exactly the same mm. she's not turned up she's not put a day's work in and no one has thought to contact the next of kin i kind of get it if you work in like a call center or somewhere where there's loads of people but she's working as a chef so she's probably quite you know it's probably not like a million people working there yeah i thought the same i think she would have been really needed that day Um, So yeah, it's just weird that they didn't, you know, try and find out where the hell she was. 
So that evening, Susie waited for her friend to arrive. However, when she didn't show up or answer Susie's calls or texts, she knew something was wrong. And the next day, her fears were confounded when she learnt that Claudia hadn't shown up for work either. Susie, by now very concerned for her friend's welfare, called Claudia's father. He immediately went round to his daughter's house and let himself in with the spare keys. This is early Friday afternoon now. So opening the front door, Peter was fearful of what he might find. However, when he entered the house, everything seemed pretty normal. He said that it looked like she'd just left for work. He said her slippers were by the front door and her jacket and the rucksack that she used to put a chef whites in were gone. So was her phone and it would later transpire that this was deliberately turned off in the early hours of Friday morning. For any fact fans out there, it was a silver Samsung D900. <laughs> this was nearly 10 years ago, so that was probably pretty cutting edge at the time. Her jewellery and a handbag were still there, as usual, as she never took them to work. However, armed with the knowledge that Claudia hadn't been to work since Wednesday, Peter became concerned that something had happened to her as she left for work on the Thursday morning, and at this point he called the police. By now, Claudia had potentially been missing for nearly 48 hours because if we think about it, she got home from work on the Wednesday afternoon, she made a couple of calls and the last known time she was alive was around sort of 8 o'clock in the evening. So something could have happened to her after that and I think it was around about 2pm on the Friday afternoon that her father called police. And as we know, the first 48 hours in any missing persons investigation is crucial and the police had lost valuable time. Over the weekend, 40 officers searched for Claudia, but to no avail. Police examined her house, but as Peter Lawrence said at the time, there was no evidence that a crime had been committed there. Everything pointed to the fact that Claudia had left for work as normal on the Thursday morning. Police combed Claudia's car for clues. How I've said that without fucking it up, I don't know. <laughs> That's like such a tongue twister. That's amazing. Say it again. Pol but oh, see, I've already <laughs> fucked it up. Pol Police combed Claudia's car for clues and they did find something, a cigarette butt. Attached to this was a DNA of a left-handed male. So the police knew that a left-handed smoker had been in Claudia's car in the days or weeks before her disappearance. But with a severe lack of evidence, no body and no crime scene, the police had very little to go on. How the hell do they know you're left or right-handed from your DNA? Well, I did think about this and I think that they would have looked at the fingerprints perhaps or there would have been partial fingerprints on the cigarette and they would look at the pattern of that and they would see the positioning of the different fingers. Oh, so like if you're right-handed, would you usually smoke with one hand and then if you're left-handed, do you smoke with the other? Yeah. You're saying it as if I'm stupid, I don't smoke. But if you write with a pen and you're <laughs> right-handed, you'd probably use your right hand. I don't know, because I drink a glass of wine in either hand. I don't particularly always use the same hand to hold my glass in. I feel like we've discussed this far too much. <laughs> I'm moving on. Sorry, guys. Claudia has been described by those who knew her as a creature of habit and someone who was constantly on her phone. She was always texting. So by the following Monday, with no one having heard from Claudia for five days now, her family were becoming gravely concerned for her welfare. The previous day was Mother's Day and as I said earlier, she'd made arrangements to see her mum that day, so things weren't looking good at this point. Under the direction of North Yorkshire Police, who were heading up the investigation into her disappearance, Peter Lawrence held a press conference to appeal for information and he said he was living a nightmare, as I'm sure you can imagine. 
At this point, police said they could not rule out the possibility that Claudia had been abducted and that somebody was holding her against her will. Can you imagine how terrifying that thought would be for her family and friends? Yeah, I mean, not having any sort of knowledge of what's actually happened, it's it's probably worse because at least if you know what's happened, you can either start to have like a grieving process or you can find out more information, but there's nothing to go on. So the police's view was that she'd left home for work on that Thursday morning and something had happened to her while she was walking to work. Perhaps somebody had offered her a lift that morning. It would have been very quiet and very dark, so something else could have happened and and maybe people wouldn't have seen. Later that week, with no major lines of inquiry to pursue, police drafted in more officers from across the north of England to help them with their investigation. And it was at this point, Bethan, that I was thinking about the recent Instagram post. So we've got a map of the UK on there and we've got little red dots to denote Mm. the location of the episode so far. And I kind of thought, I think we have had one up here because it's kind of heading towards Railmote territory. Mm. It's on the East Coast pretty much. So perhaps I should have picked something on the opposite side in the West. We do need to get some sort of like Wales, Ireland or anything like that, really. We, We have been a bit close to London. They reviewed CCTV footage and images of Claudia's last known movements were released to the media at this point. Peter Lawrence walked the route Claudia would have taken to work that fateful morning and he handed out flyers appealing for information. That sort of thing always really like freaks me out. The idea that you can see that person's last known movements and then and then you just don't see anything else like the CCTV just finishes. It's quite chilling isn't it? Yeah, we've had that before because, um, I don't know why, but this case definitely reminded me of Jill Dando, who, obviously we know Jill was murdered, she didn't disappear, but you see Jill on that CCTV mm. footage going about a business on the morning that she was killed, completely unaware, of course, that that was going to happen in a matter of minutes. Buying her fish and just normal life. Well remembered, Bethan. <laughs> see, I do listen sometimes. I believe it was some sort of soul. Might have been Dover Soul. <laughs> Again, we digress. We've digressed way too much. I think I'm trying to string it out to make it into two parts. He's joking, guys. It's actually, it is actually a two-part episode. We're not just going to make you listen to us ramble for two episodes. When I was originally looking at this case, actually, at first I thought there probably wouldn't be enough information available to um, to even do a full episode. And the more I looked into it, the more information there was. And there's so many twists and turns. Um, and I really did think this has got to be a two-part episode. Twelve days after her disappearance and with her family now frantic with worry, as I'm sure you can imagine, Detective Superintendent Ray Galloway, the officer in charge of leading the investigation, appealed for the public's help on Crime Watch. Following the appeal, the police received some interesting leads focusing on Claudia's private life and her current and past relationships. Someone also came forward to say that they'd seen a left-handed smoker in the area on the morning of Claudia's disappearance. And at this point, the police had not revealed any specifics to the media. So this was a really significant lead. By now, Peter Lawrence was holding weekly press conferences to keep the media updated in the hope of ensuring his daughter's disappearance remained newsworthy. A month after Claudia's disappearance, the police said they were following a new major line of inquiry. Someone had seen a couple arguing on the Thursday morning when it is believed that Claudia disappeared. They were spotted near to Claudia's place of work on the route she would have taken that morning, just after 6am, 
around the time Claudia would have ordinarily arrived at work. The witness said that the couple were near a parked car which had its passenger door open. The witness also said that it looked like the couple were having some kind of altercation and the female did not look happy. The next day a body was found in the nearby river Ouse in York. Fearing the worst the family faced an agonising wait before being told the body was not Claudia's. A few days later the police widened their search to the surrounding countryside in York however this search proved fruitless and on the 24th of April in 2009 police issued a statement saying that they were now treating her disappearance as murder. In the five weeks between this announcement and Claudia's disappearance missing persons posters had been put up around York featuring a photograph of Claudia with blonde hair. This same photo was used extensively in the media however at the time of her disappearance, Claudia was not blonde. She'd recently dyed her hair a dark brown colour. Therefore, any leads or unconfirmed sightings received up until this point were now thrown into question. That seems like such an obvious oversight. The, the hair colour of somebody is one of the key things you mention when you describe that you've seen someone. You would really think that her parents would have had a say in the photo that was used, mm. but her mother has been quoted as saying that she had no say in the photo that was used at that time, and she doesn't know who provided that, that to the police. That just seems absolutely ridiculous. That's five weeks' worth of possible sightings. On the 5th of May in 2009, Peter Lawrence launched a website, findclaudia.co.uk which is still active although there have been no updates for the past three and a half years and if you do want to check it out do go on there and have a look because there's loads of useful information but also at the same time it's quite sad to look at it to see that there was so much activity and then in the last three and a half years nothing. It was around this time that the independent crime fighting charity Crime Stoppers offered a reward of £10,000 to anyone providing information which led to the arrest and conviction of any person linked to the disappearance of Claudia. And they were really desperate at this point for information that would lead to a credible line of inquiry. In early June 2009, a reconstruction of Claudia's last known movements was featured in another Crime Watch appeal. Detective Superintendent Ray Galloway said her disappearance was completely out of character, but he did make it clear that Claudia had been involved in a number of what he described as complex relationships. He said that not even her closest friends knew everything about Claudia's private life. Police believed the secret to her disappearance lay in the complex web of relationships, and they said that she had relationships with people that you might not expect someone like her to have had relationships with. I think this is a horrible thing for your family to find out in the middle of an investigation. It really was. It really was an upsetting time for them. Obviously it was a horrific time already and now they really were making assertions in public about what Claudia got up to behind closed doors. So they used the term clandestine relationships and they raised concerns that those men would therefore not be forthcoming with any information. And police said that she'd been involved in at least 12 relationships over the previous five years, many of them with married men. It was also said that a number of criminals frequented Claudia's local, the Nags Head, and there were concerns that she had perhaps been involved with some dodgy types. The biggest problem for the police was that they knew that she was having relationships, they knew who she was having relationships with, 
but these men were lying and they weren't given accurate information perhaps to protect their own marriage it's understandable i guess but they needed to look at the bigger picture here so the nag's head is absolutely key to the investigation and the police realized that very early on and they did conduct a thorough search of the pub the pub was known to have lock-ins and as I said, all sorts of people would frequent that pub, so it did hold the key and police believed that throughout the investigation. So was Claudia living two lives? As I alluded to earlier, the police said that not even her friends or family knew what happened in her private life. So perhaps she was involved with a man who was a bad kind of man. A bit of a naughty boy, as we like to say. I couldn't think of another way to say <laughs> a bad person, a bad kind of man, but yeah, a naughty boy. I think that must have been really shocking as well for her family who, by all accounts, were so close to her. She spoke to her mum, she saw her dad once a week, at least for dinner and stuff, to then find out that she also had this other life where she was seeing married men. Following this appeal on Crime Watch, the press started to portray Claudia as a scarlet woman and even a homewrecker. And that definitely hindered the investigation because when somebody can't empathise as much with a victim, they are less likely to be invested in the investigation and therefore pay attention to it and come forward with vital information that could actually lead to the arrest of the person responsible. I think this is often something you see especially if like victims are people like prostitutes for example and because it's a section of society that people don't necessarily hold in such high regard the cases don't have as much information it's really horrible because anybody in that situation who's possibly you know disappeared or been murdered they should all be treated equally. Commentators at the time and since have described her as a victim of the media. They say that the media destroyed her reputation, which in turn, as I said, damaged the investigation. And they insinuated that she had brought the problem on herself, which is just horrendous. That's awful. To say something like that. Also in June, 100 days after his daughter went missing, Peter Lawrence launched a YouTube appeal for information. So this guy's really sort of tech savvy. In the appeal, he stated that his belief was that the internet was vital in the search. In late August 2009, the police and the Lawrence family also appealed at the annual Whitby Regatta in North Yorkshire. So for anyone kind of thinking, what the hell is a regatta? It's kind of like there, it's a yachting and racing festival. So thousands of people would have turned up and the police and the family went along to hand out flyers once again and to appeal to the crowds for any help. In September 2009, the police revealed that the search for Claudia had now been extended to Cyprus. Detective Superintendent Ray Galloway stated that Claudia knew several people who lived on the island and that she may have received job offers while she'd holidayed there. And to be fair, in these locations, good chefs are always in demand. Galloway also stated that some people who had been interviewed on the island had been reluctant and less than candid, but they'd kind of spoken to them on the phone, so that could be part of it. And he did now send a team of officers over to Cyprus to interview people who Claudia had met over there. Later in September, detectives made a search of an area where Claudia worked at the university. In October 2009, the police revealed they were looking for the driver of a rusty white van who was seen trying to talk to a woman on Claudia's route to work in the days before she disappeared. We don't know whether that was Claudia or somebody else. The investigation now went quiet and the press was starting to lose interest too. 
A year after Claudia disappeared, the police did reveal some significant information in 2010 when they said that it had come to light that Claudia had spent the night with a mystery boyfriend just two days before she went missing. They said it was critical that they spoke to this man, however he never came forward. In March 2010, police began searching areas of Heslington in York based on new information they had received. On the 24th of March, land near to a children's play area near a muddy farm track was searched and on the 25th of March, the search was relocated to a field near to the university, an area of land which is bordered by a playing field and student accommodation. It was later stated that the police had not found any new leaves from these searches and nothing of significance was discovered. In July 2010, police began to scale back the investigation and the number of officers involved in the search for Claudia was drastically reduced. In March 2012, so this is now three years after Claudia disappeared, Peter Lawrence spoke to MPs over the rights of families of missing people and this was the start of what would become the Missing Persons Bill and that is coming into force I think next year in 2019. So when Claudia went missing all of her assets were frozen, her family couldn't take possession of the house, however it had a mortgage on it which needed to be paid each month. Mm. So Peter Lawrence has done loads of work around this and he did lobby the government that families of missing people need rights. So I mentioned earlier that she had savings, she actually had an ISA and the money in that ISA was frozen so the funds couldn't be used towards mortgage payments for example and maybe that sounds a bit harsh but when you think of the practicalities in this situation it's probably really important that the family can get access to that missing persons funds because the thing is is the family her mum and dad probably have their own either have their own mortgage to pay or if they're if they've paid it off they don't have a mortgage anymore they'd be using their own money to spend on that and i suppose if you haven't legally declared someone dead you have no rights over anything so that's interesting so next year yeah next year that comes in so we're now pretty much three years after the date of claudia's disappearance and her parents did appeal for information on the third anniversary but this appeal which was televised resulted in just eight calls and no further new lines of inquiry so i'm going to bring part one to an end here because that covers where we're at Claudia has disappeared and there have been a few twists and turns but the police are no closer to finding where she is or what happened to her and what I'm going to be covering in part two is the 2013 review cold case review of Claudia Lawrence's disappearance and there are lots of twists and turns in this so please uh, tune in next week yeah it'd be really interesting to hear um, a bit more that was really interesting I, I really enjoyed that good i wanted to say a massive thank you to mariah1973 thank you for your comments and thank you to anybody else who's taken the time to review us as we've said before if you don't leave comments we're not able to name check you but that's fine that's not a problem we're just grateful for any feedback that we get absolutely and we'd also like to say a little hi to margaret gobby and kathy bateson who have also sort of sent us a message on facebook just to keep us up to date with the fact that they're enjoying the um, podcast so thank you for your feedback and thank you to anybody who's got in touch on instagram we've had loads of comments loads of likes on the posts that we've been putting up so we're really grateful for that um continue to get in touch with us we absolutely love it when you reach out so for example we had right wrong term podcast they said that was a good one um thank you guys and a shout out to ellie lawrence who um has 
chatted to us loads on um, Instagram as well. So thank you for listening. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.